2 Peter chapter 1, and uh, we do have notes for you. You can get those from the ushers. Uh, and they're being passed out now, or they can, uh, or you can go ahead and get the uh, notes available on the app as well. We try to put everything we can on that app, the different events that are up and coming. So here we go. Going to be pastoral to you tonight. Second Peter, chapter one. And verse 1 through 11, are you all there? Let's read the word of the Lord, New International Version. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, Jesus Christ, to those through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual or brotherly affection, and to mutual affection love. Listen now, pay close attention. Are you ready? That's me talking, that's not the scripture. Verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. How many efforts? every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Woo, this is good. Holy Spirit, I pray, come by your power, come by your might, give us living understanding, illuminate our hearts, illuminate our minds, and cure any spiritual blindness tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You, you, you may be seated, and if I could have a little bit more monitor, please. I can hear it's plenty loud out there, but I need some here. In fact, maybe it's too loud out there, but I'll leave you to judge. Mr. Soundman, um, my eyesight, I, my brothers started wearing glasses early on, and they say, well, that's, you know, as you get older, the eye muscles, so on and so forth. Actually, I've read some articles that it's more about nutrition than it is uh, about your eyesight and the muscles in your eye and you getting old. Uh, be that as it may, I just said, I'm not going to wear glasses uh, until I'm 50. 
And uh, I'll be okay with wearing glasses when I'm 50 because it just sort of looks dignified and, and you look like maybe you're intelligent. And so I need as much help as I can. And so I thought I would wear glasses. And the uh, funny thing was is when I turned 50, which was uh, a little while ago, a year and a half ago or so, um, I, I needed glasses. And I, and I thought, man, you did this to yourself. You prophesied over yourself when you're 50, you wore glasses. And so then I, I was 50 and I started having to wear readers. And I don't know, it was one of these crazy Holy Ghost services we had. I just got touched by the Holy Spirit. And like all of a sudden, I didn't really need glasses. And then I backslid and needed them again. Now, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me, all right? And so uh, I've just been back and forth with needing glasses, not needing glasses. And I've watched my wife struggle with taking them on, putting them off, taking them on, putting them off, taking them on, putting them off, and just like, at the end of her nose, putting them back up. Where are my glasses? How, where, where am I? So I was like, you know what, Lord, I, I don't want to wear glasses. So I've just been putting my faith out there and believing that I don't have to wear glasses. Now, I'm not wearing glasses. I don't wear glasses, and I don't wear glasses when I read. But I do notice that I'm a little bit further away. But I'm all right with that because I found out that if you just cave in, then actually it gets worse quicker. And I thought, no, I'm not caving in. I don't need glasses. I might have to hold it a little bit away, but it's all right. I'm all right with that. Plus, I have this really cool function on this uh, iPad where I can make stuff really big. Yeah, so, so it's all right. Come on, somebody say it's all right. Jesus spoke and said, you know, the blind leading the blind they are. I mean, that's quite a picture, the blind leading the blind. They both fall into a ditch. I mean, that's a real problem. And Paul here writing, you know, he, he talks about in the New Testament, Paul talks about how the, the God of this age has blinded people. See, people don't receive Jesus. People don't receive the Lord or aren't born again or see spiritual things because they're blind. And... You can be spiritually blind, and to be spiritually blind is to be deceived. Put it in your notes. Is to be deceived. And the problem with deception is you're deceived. The problem with deception is that you're, you, you don't know that you're deceived. Hence the word deception. So to be spiritually blind is to be deceived. In our text here, we see that Peter's very concerned that a person can lose out a person can lose out with God. And if Peter's concerned about it, the Word of God's concerned about it, I most definitely am concerned about it, not just for my own life, but for yours. No matter what age you are, where you're tuned in, where you're listening from across the nation or internationally by podcast or over YouTube, here in the great state of Alaska, here in the congregation, you could lose out with God. You said, oh, not me. No, no, everyone could backslide. Anyone can lose it. Anyone can fail. Anyone can. And if you think that you can't or you think that you won't, if you don't make clear decisions on how not to fail, make every effort, the text says, then it's very possible you're going to or maybe you already have. And you don't realize it. You can lose out with God. Verse 10, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure that's a new King James. The very fact that it says that suggests that you could fall, you could lose out, you could miss heaven. 
losing out with God stems from being blind. And I would venture to say that some of you under the sound of my voice tonight have become blind or maybe nearsighted. A cure for blindness, a cure for spiritual blindness or nearsightedness is right here in the text. So losing out with God stems from being nearsighted and blind. Nearsighted is forgetting what Christ has done for us. Nearsighted is forgetting that Jesus Christ was crucified and resurrected on the third day. And if you believe in your heart and you confess to your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It's, it's forgetting that he took your sin and has threw them as far as the east is from the west. It's, it's forgetting that which is, is right there, being, being nearsighted. And secondly, he uses blindness. Blindness or blind to the importance of growth spiritually. And this the Holy Spirit really was dealing with me just before our service. We have the wonderful opportunity of counseling and helping people. And over the course of the years, it's amazing to me how many people are actually in church for 20 years, 15 years, 10 years, 5 years. But they don't have as much maturity as the person who might be there for 12 months. And I've often wondered about that. I mean, it just it, 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 it boggles my mind that you could have somebody that comes in Never heard about Jesus. Receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Repent. Receive him. Get born again. Can you all hear me in the lobby? How about in the lobby? Can you hear me now? Get born again. Saved. And then they just like, the, the, the people that grow this exponentially, they're never missing service. You know, when they can. And I don't mean that as a slam on, on folks that just come once a week. I mean, if you can come once a week, I'm glad you're coming. If you can come more, you might want to. The truth is, if you lose your hunger and you don't grow, and you don't grow in the knowledge of God and grow in these things that he lists, then you, you're setting yourself up for potential blindness. And so the person that comes in is saved for 12 months, has greater maturity than the dude or the woman that's been here for 10 years. You say, how could that be? Because the person that comes for 10 years stops growing. Do you know all across America, Sunday night services have been closed down. And I thought about that. I almost, for a fleeting moment, for a millisecond, thought about closing Sunday night. And, and adding, I know, crazy. And adding, you know, emphasizing our small groups and, and, and trying to do that. And, you know, honestly, part of me at times like tonight, my wife's not here. I'm not eating as good as I usually do. Pastor Karen's traveling. I'm not sleeping as well as I usually sleep. It's just like my house is missing the sweet sound of my beautiful wife. I could practically cry over it. I'm okay when I travel. I miss her. But when she leaves, that's not right. And so it's just something like I'm, I almost want to just break down. I, might, I just might break down tonight. Thank God for my son. He's there. It's us bachelors. And thank God she's coming back Wednesday night. Glory to God. So I don't know whatever the reason is, but, but tonight took extra work. You know, one of the reasons I'm convinced that people don't want Sunday nights is because pastors don't want to work. Do you know how much work it takes to give? Right now, oh, that stings, doesn't it? Many people in ministry are a bunch of lazy bums. 
No, that's not true here. He said, are you calling the church? I don't know what they're doing at other churches, but I have seen people work for 40 hours, go to the gym for three hours, rest and relax and vacate and pray and, and come to bring a 25-minute message on a Sunday morning. And there's no Sunday night. There's no Wednesday night. There's no contending. They're not in prayer. Oh, well, you don't know what they're doing, of course, whether or not, you know, I mean, you don't see them. So, I mean, maybe there are. Ministry is challenging. Ministry is tough. And there's times when, man, like tonight, I had to labor to get this thing. So you better listen. Amen. I'm crabby tonight. Thank you, Jesus. And, and you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you just like to not have Sunday nights so we didn't have to work so hard? The truth is, no, I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep adding goodness and mercy. I'm going to seek the Lord all of my life. Can you say amen? And the truth is, I'm going to be here even if it's me and, and, and Daniel, my son, and I'll preach to him and he amen me. Amen. But I've got a whole staff and a group of leaders of people like, man, I'm coming because I want to learn. I want to grow in God. There are people that are, look at this Sunday night. When I first got here, they said, oh, you can't have Sunday night. Ain't nobody coming. Welcome to all the nobodies. You've got to grow. There's an importance of growing spiritually. You have to grow. All you youth, listen to me. You've got to grow. And you never stop growing. Come on, if your baby stopped growing, you take him to the doctor and make sure everything's okay. If you had a problem with your thyroid, you go and get it fixed. Out, fixed. You go get it prayed for. You'd, you'd find out how to resolve the, the lack of growth or a growth problem. Right. Right, how to keep from losing your spiritual eyesight. How to keep from becoming blind and nearsighted. Well, the first thing is nearsighted. Remember what we have. Grace and peace in abundance, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You know, we need his grace and we need his peace every day. And you need to ask for it and remember that without this grace, without his peace, you are really in a heap of trouble. So don't, don't forget that you need his grace, his unmerited favor. Don't forget that you need his strength. Don't forget that you need his resurrection power. Don't forget that you need the peace of God. I, I, I'll tell you something. Sometimes, occasionally, I've taken the peace of God for granted till I've lost it. And when I, Anybody know what it's like when you get sick? You ever have this thought like, you, you know, a lot of people battling the flu and maybe you get sick. And when you're sick, you're like, man, I wish I was healed. And you have a deep appreciation for when you're healed. Cultivate a deep appreciation and remember what it was like when you didn't have Christ, when you didn't have peace, when you didn't have the grace of God resting on you. Come on, when your marriage was on the rocks. Remember how God healed you, saved you. Don't ever forget it. I said it this morning, spiritual amnesia is a recipe for disaster. It's nearsightedness. You don't want to become nearsighted and forget what you have. Man, we've been given a great gift. My son and I were driving, the two bachelors returning home. We were pulling into the driveway. And I think I said something, you know, son, we are seriously blessed. He said, he said I know, Dad. I know it. I'm pulling in in my truck that's paid for. I'm pulling into a driveway that, that I own. It's mine. I own it. With the bank for now. But I bet him it's mine. <laughs> hey, but I got more equity in it than what I owe. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. I've got furniture in my house. I've got heat. I have, I have a beautiful wife who loves me, and, and, and I love her. I've got children that are serving the Lord. 
I've got my health. I've got, I've got a pulse. I had high blood pressure and all kinds of problems. I was so heavy I couldn't tie my shoes without getting an air tank. I lost weight. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Don't ever forget what, where did you come from? What has God done for you? Don't forget it. Don't, don't forget it. You become nearsighted if you do, forgetting what Jesus has done. And his power has given us everything we need for life and, and for godliness. His divine power, verse 3, has given us all things that pertain to life and, and godliness. This is the New King James. Through, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God's spirit has been given to us to help us in every way and every situation. Um, let me say that again. The Holy Spirit has been given to you, has been given to me to help you in every single situation. Every one. Don't, don't ever forget that. He has given us his precious promises. We're at point three here. Precious promises. And through them we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That is amazing to me. That God would give us promises. The promises of God are, are the basis and the authority by which we pray. It's worth writing down. It's worth tweeting. Tweet. The promises of God are the basis and the authority by which we pray. If God says you have a promise, then you take the promise and you use that standing on it, decreeing, declaring, God, you said that if I tithe, they'll open up windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing, not have room enough to receive it. You said, if I tithe, you will rebuke the devourer. Lord, you said, you can start quoting God. You said that the man who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. Is there any man in here that has favor? I've got favor. I have favor. Oh, yes. You ought to remind your husband, you've got favor because I'm a... Yeah. Blessed is the man whose table is filled with children like, like olive shoots. Precious treasures, Pastor Kirsten. Some of you don't feel blessed by having children. You need to start speaking blessing over them. Stop complaining the fact that you have so many kids. It's not in the water. Start thanking God. Thank God for all the beautiful children. And by the way, I think righteous kids ought to have lots of kids. The unrighteous are multiplying. The righteous ought to multiply, have lots of kids. If, you, if you're good parents, if you're not, maybe you should not, you know what I'm saying, but learn to be a good parent would be the better thing than what I was about to say. You can learn to be a good parent. You can learn to be self-controlled. We're going to get in that in a minute. You can learn how to raise godly children. It's not by accident. I said somebody, somebody said to me early on with our kids, they said, you're so lucky. I said, for what? First of all, I don't believe in luck. That's not even a biblical concept. They said, oh, you're so lucky. I'm like, why is that? Your kids, they're just so well behaved. I thought, what are you talking about? So, you know, we didn't know them all that well, so it's just kind of like, oh, well, thank you very much. Praise the Lord. And we got to know them after a little bit and found out that their kids were hellions. And uh, foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. You need to learn to train in them. Amen. A little pressure, the seat of their understanding. With love. 
And that's, there's been abuses. But listen, it has nothing to do with luck. God, God gives us these precious promises. Your children are a blessing from the Lord. Start speaking them. Start speaking the promises of God. How many of you got a promise box at home? I, I have a promise box. I don't always use it, but I, I know where it is, and I, I, it's wonderful. 7,500 promises in the Word of God are the basis by which you pray. In other words, if they're the basis and the authority by which you pray, I think we ought to know what they are. I know quite a few, but there's quite a few more. The Lord's challenged me to memorize them, and I'm not doing so well, but I'm being convicted right now. Lord, help me. No. You can get spiritual blindness. You can lose out with God. You can get nearsighted, forgetting what God has done, blind to the importance of growing spiritually. Don't be blind to the importance of growing spiritually. You have this, people have this idea that you can, you know, you could just hang out and you're going to grow. What are you, what? Listen, if anybody has a degree here, it might be an honorary one, and then that was you hanging out and somebody gave it to you. But, but a degree that's earned... That means you have to go to school. That means you had to pay thousands of dollars. You had to take tests. You had to read books. You had to go through the process of getting a degree. Listen, God wants to give you things that you're never going to be able to receive if you don't give yourself to growing in the knowledge of God. If you don't grow in the Word, then you're going backwards. And there's people, like I said, they've been in church for 10 years. I've been in the way for 10 years. Yeah, that's the problem. You're in the way. Get out of the way. Get on fire. That's what they used to call the church, the way. You got to get on fire. You got to cultivate. It's important for you to grow spiritually. You don't just hang out. If you think you can hang out and, and get big and strong in God, you're blind as a bat. Pastor, how do I live in such a world and keep my eyesight clear? How do I keep from becoming nearsighted and blind? Great question. How to keep from losing your spiritual eyesight. Remember what we have. Two power has given us everything we need. Precious promises, right? You all with me? And you have a responsibility to grow. You, really, you and I have a responsibility to grow. Come on, say, I am responsible for my growth in God. Right, and that's why we have so many classes. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have church so much. We all need to grow in God. That's why we have a promise box of precious promises of God, the, the basis and the authority by which we pray. Psalm 119, verse 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light and giveth understanding to the simple. I understand that I am simple, but when God speaks to me, I become super. I, I become empowered by the, the divine nature. So as simple as we may be, when God speaks to us and gives us his word and we apply that word and pray it, then God can release his supernatural power on us for life and godliness. No, I've got a responsibility to grow. All diligence. Wow. Making every effort. Make every effort to add. Everybody say add. Add. That means you're cooperating with God. That doesn't mean that God comes and does everything. Come on, that was when you were a little baby. When you were a little baby, then they opened baby food and they fed you with baby food. Open up. Yes. Hopefully you move on from there. You cooperate with God. This is 
This is how he works. He cooperates with us. We're co-labors with him. You do your part. As I said this morning, he does his part. 1 Corinthians 3.9, we're co-laborers with God. 2 Corinthians 6.1, we're fellow workers with God. Some people say, well, well, whatever God wants to do, God wants you. What do you no, it's get to work. <laughs> get co-laboring with God. He wants to help you, but you got to get the lead out. You're like, I don't feel lead. Get the lead out. Add. Oh, this is really good right here. And this is right from the text. Add goodness. Add, add goodness. The, the word is arete. It's, it's really a, an amazing Greek word, koine Greek. And, and it can be translated virtue, excellence, or goodness. So if you were to ask, what is the arete, the goodness of a knife? So that you just can understand. You, you need to catch this. While, watch this. What is the arete or the, the virtue of a knife? A knife. The virtue of a knife. It's to do what? Exactly right. So what is the highest? It's not to look good in your pocket. The highest virtue of a knife is to cut. Okay. What is the virtue, the highest virtue of a horse? Now that could be a little abstract, but let's say what's the highest virtue of a horse? To run, to do horse stuff. That's not road apples, but let's call it running. To run. So the highest virtue of a knife is to cut, and you could go on and, and talk about what is the highest virtue, or the highest goodness of things, arete. So he's saying add, add, add goodness to your life, add arete to your life, but you have to ask what is the arete, the highest virtue, watch it, of a man. So you have to ask yourself, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, then what is, what is the, the greatest man that ever lived? Jesus. What's the highest virtue of a man? To be like Jesus. That's the highest virtue of a man. So what do we need to add to our life? We need to add to our life goodness, and the very definition of goodness for a man is Christ, Christ-likeness. It's godliness. It's, it's goodness. Come on, somebody say amen. Jesus is God's arete in, in the Greek, if you understand that. So it's being Christ-like in our character. Add goodness. Add knowledge. Look at, look at two. Add what? Add knowledge. Peter is dealing with the problem of Gnostics. And as he's writing this, and, he, and there's these people, these Gnostics, coming from the word knowledge, that they believe that there was a secret knowledge by which you could attain this godliness. And it's a bunch of rubbish. And it's all over universities today. It's all over universities today. And I was going back and forth with somebody recently about how they said, well, I'm not, I'm not a believer anymore. They actually came into the church. They came into this church uh, about three rows back right here. We didn't know who they were. We prophesied over them. They began to weep because they were atheists. So they're atheists. They began to weep because there's nothing that anybody, nobody could know what was told to them in that service except God. And so when they heard the secrets of their heart, in a, in, a, in a beautiful way, it illuminated the reality that there really is a God. And they then translated, transferred from, they turned in their atheism card and became a believer. They got born again. They got saved. But I'll tell you what happened. 
They watch so much garbage on the internet. They, they quit being in fellowship and having, having they were an intellectual type person began to really grow and hunger for knowledge. But instead of getting knowledge that's pure and, and that which is scriptural, began to dig for secret knowledge because just wanted more, but didn't want to do it the God way. And so constantly listening to different teachers and he became a Gnostic. And so he, he believes in God, but there's a secret knowledge that you have to have to be like him. And it's a bunch of bunk. But you do need to add knowledge. Gnosticism came out of Greek philosophy. The idea that you, the more you know more than the better you are. Listen, just because you have a degree doesn't make you a man of God. Just because you went to seminary doesn't make you a, a, an on-fire, spirit-filled, anointed believer. You, can, you could go and get more degrees than a thermometer and still have no power, no authority, and be a bigger jerk than when you first started. Just because you have knowledge doesn't make you good, doesn't make you, doesn't make you great, doesn't make you a world changer. Knowledge doesn't make a world changer. Knowledge applied, that, that makes it. Knowledge applied with an anointing from heaven makes, makes world changers. Moving, not, knowledge that doesn't transform you. I, I got it now. Thank you, Lord. Anything you learn from the Lord that doesn't bring transformation to your heart only serves to make you more of a religious person, and we've got enough of that. Somebody say amen. We need people that'll grow and not, you don't, you don't want to fall. Come on, anybody, you don't want to fall, right? Good. Then you've got to add goodness, arete, you've got to become more like Christ. And you'll find in your life when you're maturing, you're, you're doing more things than, you know, what would Jesus do? You're doing that kind of stuff. You've got to grow in goodness. You've got to grow in knowledge. And it's not just like, it's not, it's not mathematics, thank God. It's the knowledge of God is what he's talking about. And as you grow in God's, and the knowledge of God, it makes you more like him, transforming you. Come on, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12. Wow. In fact, Paul writes to Timothy, I mean, this is amazing. Paul's dying. Put this scripture up for me if you can, 2 Timothy 4.13. Paul's dying, okay? So he's dying. He knows he's going to die. He writes to Timothy in, in what did I say? 2 Timothy 4, verse 13. He writes to Timothy, and he says this. When you come, bring the cloak. I like that. I think when you're older, you get cold, and then you want a coat to keep you warm. I don't know why he asked for his cloak, but he asked for, you know, bring my, bring my cloak that I left. All right. And my scrolls. What? And my scrolls, especially the parchments. What's he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. So now if you're dying, and he is dying, and he knows he's dying, he asks for his Bible. Why would a dying man who's traveled all over the world, look at the scrolls once again. Because he understood that you never, ever stop growing in God. Never. No matter how long you walk with them, there's still whole bunches of stuff you have no idea about, and you continue to grow. Scripture is filled with truth like a multifaceted diamond. And when you read it and you press in and you pray, God will open your understanding. And, and things that you read before just all of a sudden take on new meaning. And you, you can learn and grow. And if you don't do that, then you're going to end up potentially becoming nearsighted and blind and even missing heaven potentially. 
eventually. No, you don't want to fall. You got to add goodness. You got to add what else? Knowledge. And, and then Hebrews, you know, Hebrews 5.14 talks about how uh, maturity is measured by those who can discern good and evil. Here, put up Hebrews chapter, chapter 5. I believe it's verse 14, if you would. Thank you so much. Come on, somebody say, Lord, help me to grow. Yeah, you have a personal responsibility. There's so much fruity-tooty, nonsensical Christianity out there. No, I believe in impartation. But, but you have to grow. You got Hebrews 5, verse 14. Hey, awesome. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have... Tra- Let's read that again. For solid food is for the mature who by sitting on their couch and playing Xbox... No. Solid food is for the mature who through their laziness and apathy have... Solid food is for the mature who have trained themselves to distinguish between good from evil. Leave it up. There is, there is a spiritual exercise of, of learning of that which is good and that which is evil. Now, how are you going to know what's good if you don't know the word? If you don't know the word, then you're not going to know what's good. You'll be like a shrub planted by the river but never sees it, never knows. Come on, you'd be living a life that's, that's dried up. No, we need, to, we need to grow in the knowledge of God. How are you doing in, the, in your study of the Word? If you're feeling convicted now, like I can feel and sense in the Spirit, that's good. But real conviction should bring change so that when you go home, you then make a plan. Listen, make a plan. Make a plan. I mean, I, there's so much resources online and here in the church, and we were without excuse in the Western world for growing in God. Totally without excuse. I mean, you can download Bible studies on the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You could, you could study Isaiah, which is really like a lifelong study. You can study the Old Testament, the New Testament. You can get degrees sitting in your living room online. You say, well, I don't have time. Well, tell me, what are you doing with your time? What, what's really important to you? How about... How about fulfilling your destiny and purpose and not falling away? Would that be important? Good. Then you're going to have to add to your life growing in the Word, growing in the knowledge. Thirdly, add self-control. Oh, I, I hate that one. Understand that ethics, knowledge and ethics go, go hand in hand, really. In fact, if you look at the Greek... The, the, the words fit together. That as you grow in real knowledge, it produces morality. So self-control. Here's what I've found. I found that as I grow closer to God, that's manifested in my ability to control myself in be, in, in better in areas that were difficult prior to that. Does that make sense? As you grow in God and you grow in the knowledge of God, there will be, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control will grow in your life when you're growing in God. And if you have a lack of self-control, it's because you're not growing in God like you used to. I'm preaching way better than your amen You can really weigh how well you're doing in the Lord with how your self-control is. 
Don't tell me you're having all kinds of revelation and all kinds of towers and the light from the tower and a wave that hits it and then the Lord said, and then you act like a total jerk the first moment that somebody bugs you. Lose your temper. Snap in half. No, self-control. Just smile at your neighbor and say, Man, he's, is he talking to you tonight? Is he talking to you? Knowledge from the Lord will help you grow in self-control. Fourthly, add perseverance. These are the things that you need to add to your life if you want to make your election and your calling sure. Do you understand? Is everybody understanding? You want to finish your race. You want to receive your inheritance. You want to receive and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Then you're going to have to add this stuff that he's telling you. If you don't add this stuff, you might be nearsighted and blind or becoming nearsighted and blind. Perseverance, which is uh, endurance is another way to say that. Endurance. You know, people are going to offend you. If you haven't been offended at KC here yet, it's coming. You say, why is that? Are you trying to offend people? I do my very best to offend sin and I hate a religious spirit, so I'll take a punch at that as many times as I can in one service. That pharisaical thing bugs the fool out of me. So, but I'm growing in self-control. <laughs> growing in the knowledge of God. Try, my wife helps me stay sweet. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. You should have heard me when I was a younger preacher. Did I, oh, my goodness. It was... Younger preachers have the, have the problem of going long and beating the sheep. Those are the two problems beginning preachers have. They go long, you know, they just think they just wax eloquent and they're awesome. I don't know. And then they beat the sheep. Like people don't get beat enough by the enemy. I want you to leave this place encouraged and on fire and full of faith. Amen. No, but you're going to need to persevere. And, and perseverance is an aspect of faith. And it's, and it's part of the fruit of the Spirit, too. You need to persevere. And don't be, don't be so onion-skinned, for God's sake. You're going to have people that will offend you. I'm convinced that the enemy sets up and, and the Lord allows for situations to, for you to get offended. So that, so that you can get healed. God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. And I'll tell you, the, 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 I found that within myself and within others also, the thing that bugs you the most and really irritates you about people is the thing you hate about yourself. No, you've got to learn to persevere. You got to, there, there's times where it's difficult. Today, I needed to persevere. I needed to persevere. I, I got home. I was tired, like I told you. I took my, my anointed nap, and it was anointed. The angel came with a club and was just like, bah! <laughs> and the alarm goes off. We, we, we've learned you got to set alarms, man. And the alarm goes off, and it's off. I'm like, what? Where am I? Oh, God, my wife's not here. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Turn the alarm. Snooze, which I don't ever snooze. I snoozed. I'm like, Lord, I'm not done with my message. Oh, God. And it's like, endure. Get up. Get going. Follow through. Finish. There's so many quitters, so many people that just want to throw in the towel. Listen, God wants to bless you, but if you quit right before the finish line, you're not going to make it. Come on, everybody say, I'm adding perseverance. 
You're going to add godliness, which is reverence. And that's also another interesting word that I can't pronounce. But it's, it's a picture of, of, of reverence and awe, godliness. It's, 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 an, it's tied with it, the idea of duty. Duty. That, that's not something that, you know, that requires a diaper change. I'm talking about a responsibility. Duty. So if you fathered a child, you have a moral obligation, a duty to the child to help pay the bills. And if it's outside, if it's out of wedlock, you have a responsibility anyway. You have a responsibility. This is how I feel a duty and an obligation to church. It's the least I could do is serve God with everything that I have. I love that about you, Pastor Kirsten. Pastor Kirsten has an incredible sense of, of duty, an incredible sense of responsibility. And he will kill himself, if need be, to get the job done. And I will tell you something. It's the thing I respect about you the most. I mean, his feet will hurt. He'll be going through difficulty. He's going to show up. He's going to be there early. He's going to pray through. He's going to finish. He's going to go to the last chair. He's going to go to the last egg. He, and I've watched that in your life for, for a couple decades. And I really respect you. You're a great man of God, Pastor Kirsten. And I could point out others also. Come on, somebody say amen. I could point out others also. You have to have a sense of godliness, which is a sense of duty and reverence. I mean, you serve him. Serve him. Follow through. Keep your word. Brotherly kindness. I, I got to go back to this couple good points here that are worth saying. If you borrowed money, you have a duty to pay it back with interest. If you stole and the Lord convicts you, I mean, even if you're not convicted and you stole, you should be convicted. That means if you're not convicted, that means you have a seared conscience and you need to be delivered. Somebody's like, I'm not convicted about getting drunk, so it's all good. No, <laughs> Scripture says that you shouldn't get drunk. Okay. Okay, so whether you're feeling convicted or not, I've, I've had so many people say, I don't really feel bad about that. Well, that's because you're seared and you need deliverance and you need to find out actually what's right and wrong. You're immature. Let me give you a little baby food. Repent. Some of you need to grow up. I'm going to encourage myself. I'll be right back. Praise God, Pastor Daniel. Thank you. Yes, I'm going to grow up. Hallelujah. You need to grow up. Amen. Adult children. I know, not you, but I'm just saying there are out there. Add brotherly kindness. I have uh, some youth in my home. Well, my daughter's become a young adult. She's in college and just saw her singing on the stage of First Assembly Fairbanks. As my wife FaceTimed me, was over at the cafe, and I just started crying. I'm like, God, help me. It's, it's, uh, it's really something to see your kids grow up and serve God. I have no greater joy, said, uh, I don't know, one of the Bible writers. I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. And that is absolutely true. And when I, when I'm, when I was here in the front next to Minister Micah, and we were watching the youth, a portion of the youth worship team. There's others, and we thank you for rotating and all that you guys did. Thank you for that set that you brought us. It was wonderful. It was hard for me not to cry because I feel like a 
Well, it'd probably be like a grandpa or something. I, I don't know. I just feel like, man, look at our kids. Go, come on, with anointing and authority. It's just beautiful. It's the way it should be. But I've learned something about youth, and all of you youth need to listen to me. Youth are some of the meanest people. No, I don't mean necessarily you all, but if the shoe fits, fits, put it on. They talk about each other's hair. They talk about their size of their body, how big they are, how small they are, how short they are, how funny they talk, or whether they don't learn, or whether they can throw the ball or not throw the ball, or whether they can sing. Or I mean, and girls. Listen, you need to learn, all of the youth, and I'm talking to everybody, but, but all the youth, you need to learn kindness. Brotherly love for one another. Say hi to one another. Greet one another. Well, you don't know what they did. Oh, get over it. So self-consumed, selfie generation, you got to get over yourself. Brotherly kindness. 1 John 4.20. Whoever claims to love, you ready? This is going to sting. You ready? You you might want to like fasten your seatbelt a little bit, brace yourself. Okay, you ready? Okay. 1 John 4, 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they, whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. So if you have hatred for your brother and sister, don't tell me you love God. That's a bunch of bunk. That's what that says. Cultivate brotherly kindness. You say, well, I don't really feel like that. Then you can backslide then you're nearsighted and blind. We're talking about how to get rid or cure for spiritual blindness. We're we're going through this this list that they're giving us here, and this is brotherly kindness. Cultivate it. Do something nice for somebody today, tomorrow. Say nice things. Build them up. Come on, we should be on God's building crew, not the devil's wrecking crew. Be in like an oracle of God, Ephesians says. Use your words to release grace. Grace is the most powerful force in all the universe. Release the grace of God through your speech. You can do it. <laughs> I'll never forget. It's about 60, 70 pounds ago. Probably 60, because I didn't lose 70 yet. And I was doing um, CrossFit. God of mercy. I'm doing CrossFit, and we're running with, I'm running with a 45-pound plate. As if my fat wasn't enough to run with, I now have a 45-pound plate I need to run with. And you had to run around this building. And I, listen, this was a crazy experience for me because I'm not, I'm not used to coming in the middle of the pack. And I definitely ain't coming in last. I'm going to win, okay? Does anybody else wired up like that? In my mind, right, I'm like rigged for championship in my mind. In my mind. That's how it is. When I was younger, I was up there. I was never the fastest, but I was up top five, you know, right there. Had some wheels. I could run and, and had, had strength and woo, ah. I had it going on. I still feel the same in my mind. And so here we are doing CrossFit, and these, these girls were running by me. At any, I mean, like, lapping me. And I'll never forget, it was so humiliating. 
And I'm, I'm running and I'm just like pushing myself to the point of possible harm. Right? Like, spitting. I'm going to finish. I'm going to beat that girl. Right? I'm going to beat one of them. I ain't coming in last. I ain't coming in last. God. I mean, it's terrible. Snot flying. And this girl laps me again. And when she runs by, she's like, keep up the good work. I felt like that. I felt like that. That that uh, army guy on Captain America. And Captain America, be like, come on! Captain America goes by one more time. I have no idea how to tie that into what I'm preaching. So, persevere. Here we go. Let's hurry up. Add love. You say, "Well, I'm loving." Okay then go read 1 Corinthians 13 and just tell me how loving you are. <laughs> go read 1 Corinthians 13 and just see how you're measuring up. You know, just let that, let your life, let that, let that be an overlay to the love that you have. Should we read it? Should we, because we're like, end up in a repentance foot washing service or something. We haven't had a good foot washing service in a while. Hallelujah. Have your feet washed in the spirit right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Agape. Agape love. That's the, that's the love of God. It, it's selfless. It, it does the best thing for somebody, even, even if it means your own personal harm. That's what the agape love of God is. Greeks were amazing. They, language. They had, I think there's five different words for love in the Greek. Storge, that's love for family. Well, there's agape love, that's the love of God. Then there is um, phileo, that's brotherly love. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? Then there's uh, storge, that's love for family. Then th- there's, there's eros, right? You know what that is? It's sexual love. Am I right? I got that right? I think I got that right. You know what's interesting is that's actually not in the Bible. It's the only one that's not in there. Are you guys listening? Okay, so that's actually not in there. Of course, I mean, we have kids here. That is a part of a, of a healthy marriage and healthy life. It's to take place, a covenant act that takes place in marriage. But it is not, it's not sensual. It's not the way it's supposed to be. The, the world's got it all messed up. And there's one other, what's the other one I'm missing? Yes, no, I got that one. Philadelphia, remember? I said that. Oh, well, anyway, you figured out. Be a good Berean. Let's move on. Add love. Everybody say add love. So if you add these things, come on, let's quick look at them. You got your notes? You got your notes? All right, you're going to add what? You're going to add goodness, right? The arete, right? You're going to become more Christ-like. Secondly, you're going to add knowledge. Not just any kind of knowledge, the knowledge of God. We're talking about not being blind. We're talking about a cure for spiritual blindness and nearsightedness, which the devil would love to put on you. Add what? Number one. Are you guys okay? Add what? Number one is what? Goodness. Number two, knowledge. The knowledge of God and the knowledge of God will help you grow in God 
Remember, Paul asks for the scrolls when he's dying because you never stop growing in God. Number three, self-control. That's the one you don't care for. Amen. Self-control. We're all selfish. But when you grow in the knowledge of God, you will find yourself having greater self-control. Add number four, perseverance. That's endurance. That means keep going to church even though your feet hurt. Keep worshiping God even though you don't feel like it. Keep reading the Word, doing the Word, giving, tithing, serving. Keep doing it even when you're offended and you feel like everybody hates you. God loves you. Statistically, there's only two or three others. Serve Him anyway. Endure. Don't quit. Number five, godliness. That is reverence. Number six, brotherly kindness. Are you being kind? Youth, be kind to each other. Stop it. All you meaners aren't here tonight, maybe. Okay. Be kind. How do you, get, how, how do you say you love God and hate your neighbor? Talk about their hair and how, how thin they are, how fat they are, or whatever. Get over yourself. Be loving. Add love. All right. See, we must continue to increase in these qualities for lack of spiritual growth is a sign of spiritual death. God is speaking to us very simply tonight. Minister Mike, would you take the keys, please? All of us can fall. Anyone here is capable of falling. I'm talking about backsliding. Turning your back on God, turning your back on the church. Anyone here, listen, anyone here is, is, is capable of losing your marriage. Everyone here is capable of, of unthinkable evil. The way that you move forward in God is by adding these qualities. And if you don't do it, you'll become nearsighted and blind. You've got to rejoice in what God has given us. Everybody say rejoice. Got to claim the promises of God. And lastly, you got to continue to hunger and thirst after the Lord and grow in Him. How is your hunger, by the way? If you find yourself being apathetic, do you know what that means? It's just kind of like, well, I don't really care. You're headed for death. Usually that comes from a great disappointment or some woundedness that took place. I had all kinds of criteria for what God was supposed to do for me when I first got saved. Well, Lord, if you love me, then you'll do this. And if you love me, then you'll do this and this. And God was so gracious with me. He's so kind with us, especially at first. And he would do many of those things, but there was a few that he didn't do. And boy, did we have it out over that. And honestly, the few things that he didn't do to me, that was it. I, I served God with such intensity and fire and zeal. And then when he didn't come through for me, on one of the main points in my life, I wrote him off and I rejected him. You see, because he really wasn't God. I was. I was the one that thought that I knew better and that I should tell him what he, I, he was a cosmic bellhop. Did you get my bags? You bring my bags in. I'm in room 453. Very good. I want a bucket of ice and then you can bring the bucket of ice and then I would like to have some food around 8 o'clock and I'm just going to be up in my room and, and I'm going to be watching Netflix and just, I don't really, I'm going to put a do not disturb thing so when you come just knock the secret knock and then bring it in and then serve me and then everything will be good, okay? Hey, my burger's not medium rare. You made it well done. Send that back down there. Give me a medium rare burger. Yeah, some of you live like that with the Lord. He's really not Lord. You are. 
And when I had the experience of him not coming through for me the way that I thought he was supposed to come through, then I rejected him and boy, did my life go south. For eight months of tremendous pain, eight months of near death, and then somehow God intervened. It was people praying for me and I snapped out of it and I woke up and I, I was like a, it was like the prodigal son. I said, what have I done? God, I'm sorry. You know everything. I don't know too much at all. I'm going back to my father's house, and boy, I came back, and I never left. And I will tell you something. I don't know a whole lot, but I know this. God is good, and the devil's bad, and I'm going to continue to grow in the knowledge of God. I'm going to add to, the, I'm going to, add to my life these six. I'm going to add these things to my life. And, and you ought to do the same because otherwise you become blind and nearsighted. I'm going to add goodness. I'm going to be more like Jesus. God, help me be more Christ-like. The arete of a man is Jesus. The arete of a knife is to cut. The arete of man is to be like Christ. Secondly, going to add what? Going to add knowledge. Study the Word. Learn the Word. You know one of the things I cannot stand about Pentecostal churches, some of them, it's all fluff and no, no content. When I first got here, I had people say, well, you're a Pentecostal. I don't really like Pentecostal churches. You just jump around. And I just like the teaching and the Word. I'm like, dude, let's have both. Let's have, let's, have the, let's have the Word of God preached with authority and depth and we'll get out a steak knife and get, let the holy power of heaven just ignite that in our hearts and run around the church and get everybody saved and pour oil everywhere. Ah! Add knowledge. Thirdly, what? Self-control. What? Self-control. God's talking to you. Add self-control. Fourthly, add. Come on. Add what? Perseverance. Number five, add godliness. Number six, add youth. Youth. Brotherly kindness. That's right. Be kind. Love one another. Number seven, add love. Want to know what that is? Read 1 Corinthians 13. you got to increase in these qualities. Don't lack them. Otherwise, you become blind and nearsighted. And you might miss heaven. Did you get something? Stand up on your feet all across this place. Lord, we commit to grow in you. Come on, just talk to him. Set aside time to study the word of God. Get in our small groups. Get in these different ministries. Get a good Bible study and do it at home. Pick up a purple book. We sell them right out here. Go through them and go teach somebody. It'll help you. Oh God, remove any nearsightedness. Forgive us for where we've forgotten what you've delivered us from and forgotten what we have in Christ. Wash us, cleanse us, make us new. Forgive us, God, for being nearsighted, forgetful. And Lord, if we have any places on the, on the inside of us, any strongholds, any mindsets that are contrary to truth, God, would you remove the blind, the blinders right now, and would you reveal unto us the places of brokenness, places in our lives that grieve you, the places in our lives that are permeated by a lie that we would know truth and the truth will set us free. And Lord, 
that we would grow in these qualities all the days of our life. May we be like the Apostle Paul when we're close to going home. We reach for our Bible to study some more. Because there's going to come a day, God, when it's all over here in the earth and we go on into eternity. By the way, when, when you get to eternity, you're not done growing. You keep growing. So you're not going to get the little golden harp and dance around on a cloud. You're going to judge angels and stuff. There's, there's a job for you to do, and you're being taught to rule and reign. How are you doing? Let's add these things. Come on, just for a moment longer, ask God to help you to grow. Forgive us, Lord, for where we should perhaps be more mature in an area, but we didn't grow. We didn't, we didn't discipline ourselves, resisting the flesh, resisting the devil. We didn't do that, and Lord. We just went away and went with the flow. Lord, I pray even for those that are part of the church for years and decades, that fresh fire would come. That these new believers that are coming in would stir them to good works. Lord, set us on fire. Set us ablaze for your glory. In the name of Jesus. And we thank you. And we praise you. Come on, just talk to God. You should the Oka la 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 ma brama bai. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Tell it, make it your yes, prayer. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. Pastors and ministers, come to the front, please. Right front, center, right here. Brother Wally, come right here. Pastors, ministers, Brother Wally, Brother Haggerty, right here. Just line up all across the front, right here. Here, face me, right here. I'm going to lay hands on you. We're going to another level. That means you're going to another level, another level. I'm going to another level. We're all going to another level. I'm going to quickly pray for you, and then I want you to lay hands on every single person in here. Don't miss one person, unless they don't want you praying for them. And then when they come to you, just go like, go like that. I'm just kidding. Just say, no, thank you. All right? Father, in Jesus' name, let your power come. Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, come. Release your power, your anointing right now. Go on, go pray for people. Go on, go, 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 go. Holy Spirit, flow through these right now. Holy Ghost, come. Go pray for every single person. 
Worship team on the platform, set a fire. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you. Right now. Yes, I want more of you, God. Good, quickly move to the next person because you won't get all 150 people if you don't. Holy Spirit. Release your power. That I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Yes, I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul. That I can't contain. Holy Spirit. Mr. David, right here, go take his place. share something with you. There's a man that started coming to our church. I think this is maybe his third or fourth week here. When he first came in, about four weeks ago, he was struggling with depression. Everything was hopeless. It was difficult. It was painful. He had a list of things that are going wrong. When I saw him walk in the door this morning, it looked like a ray of sunshine came in the building. And I said, dude, I, first of all, I've never seen his teeth before. So that's the first thing I noticed, just chiclets going all across the front, just smiling. I said, what happened to you? He said, I love this place. I've been encouraged here. Everything's turned around. I have hope again. The depression is gone. God is good. I can't wait. I said, oh, it's going to be good today. Jesus says, I know. I love this place, and I love you, and this is awesome. You know what happened? He had served the Lord for most of his life, raised in the church, but he drifted away from adding the things I just taught you. You've got to do this, otherwise you will stagnate, backslide, become nearsighted and blind. We're going to sing again. Come on, commit yourself to grow in God. Start studying a book of the Bible. I'd start in the New Testament. Start, start studying. Start growing in a way that you never have before. Set a fire down in my soul. Holy Spirit. I can't contain. I can't control. Release your power. more of you, Oh, God. Yes, I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. That I can't control. I want more of you. I want God. more. Yes, I want more of you, God. To set a fire down in my soul. Come on, sing it louder. That I can't contain, that yeah. I can't control. 
Jesus, come on. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Yes, I want more of Set you, a fire. God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. invitation that you will ever have it comes from the book of James very simply saying this draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you draw near to me and I will draw near to you growing in God growing in the anointing growing in unction and authority doesn't come by some mystical thing that hits you when you're reading some book somewhere comes out of an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Growing in the knowledge of God, growing in the Word, and putting yourself in a position where you're drawing near to Him. And when you do that, He draws near to, near to you and you grow in maturity. Don't ever stop doing it all of your life, no matter how old you are or how young you are. Add these things and you will never fall. Amen. Put your hands together for God. Yeah. Lord, we love your word. God, we love your word. Come on, you can do a little better than that. God, we love your word. Oh, your word is so wonderful. Thank you that you made a way, God. Thank you. Oh, you didn't leave us as orphans. Lord, thank you. Lord, we love you. Come on, you can do a little bit better than that. Oh, thank you. Oh, the precious promises. Thank you that you have given us divine power to live godly lives. We give you praise and glory and honor. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, don't you leave this place in that condition. Receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He said, well, I've already done that. Well, if you drifted and you're not as on fire as you used to be, then recommit to him. Receive him for the first time or recommit. If that's you, you say, that's me, Pastor Daniel. I'm going to give my life to Jesus for the first time. Or you say, that's me, Pastor. I want to be included in that prayer. I'm, I'm coming back home. I'm recommitting my life. If that's you, slip your hand up right now. Do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Over on this side. God bless you. Praise the Lord. All the way in the back. God bless you. I see that. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your honesty, ma'am. Thank you, sweetheart. Online, perhaps. Come on, just pray this very simple prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die on a cross, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you, Holy Spirit. I pray for these and for all of us that you would put deep within us a hunger that can only be satisfied by your revelation, that it can only be satisfied by an intimate walk with you. Give us a hunger for the Word. Break every bondage, every chain, every fetter. And use us, O oh God, for the purpose for which we were created. Holy Spirit, come right now. 
be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Atmosphere just shifted a little bit. Don't rush a close of the service. Come on, just worship him a little bit longer. Ain't nothing on TV. You can eat later. Come on, just press in for a moment. You have the freedom to sing in the spirit. Go ahead. Come on, lift your voice and sing a new song to him. Just a couple more moments. prophetic prayer teams that have been trained. I'd like you guys to come up now, if you would, please just position yourself up front. If you want prayer, get a word from the Lord, they'll pray over you. And you can weigh that. It'll be encouraging to you, no doubt. And for those of you who are going to slip out, let me bless you. And we will have a uh, a uh, year-end formal business meeting in about an hour and a half. So uh, go eat dinner. The cafe is open. Hang out. Church will be people cruising around, having fun. Spend time in prayer if you want to. And uh, anybody's welcome to be a part of that. Uh, please, if you're not going to be able to be here for the meeting, because I know it's late. Many of you get up early to go to work, and we're grateful for your participation tonight. You can vote right now. And there's a table out there. Uh, let, me, let me do this. Uh, Brother Hergalot, where are you? Please join me right here. Brother George Austin Miller, would you come? And bring, bring your lovely better halves. Amen. No offense. If you're offended, get over it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Bring your wives. And uh, is uh, Toby, Toby and D. Scott here? No? Okay. Toby's, Toby's serving our country. Would you come and just stand right here? Good. Turn, face the people. Come. Would you slide over just a little bit, minister? Thank you so much. Would you guys stand right here? Let's pray for these. Uh, Brother George is running for the board there in Maui, uh, but you'll see his name on there, and he happens to be here in Alaska because uh, he goes back and forth. This great family. And uh, 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 Brother D, uh, uh, Brother D. That guy, I need a nap or something. I, I Brother Toby and D. Uh, <laughs> Brother Toby is traveling. He'll be back shortly. But he is uh, nominated al along with um, Brother Ergolot. I think that's how you say it in German. I got that right? Yeah. 
And uh, these are great, brother. You've got to vote either one of these to represent Alaska. So, so George Ostermiller happens to be here from Hawaii, but uh, Toby and Hank are either one of them are going to be representing us. And thank you again for allowing your names to come forward. It's a great honor. We love you and we esteem you highly. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, we trust that you would speak, Lord, to not only the congregation and the formal members here, but those that are in Maui and all over the world, that the, the right people that need to be on the board for this next season would be chosen, hand-selected, and picked by you, and you would move on the hearts of people uh, to vote in such a way that you would have them in Jesus' name. And we thank you for our church and the vision of KC and what you're doing. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you at 930 or we'll see you around. Amen. God bless you. If you want prayer, need a word from the Lord, just come and stand in front of one of these teams and they'll minister to you. We're so glad you came tonight. God bless you.